Um, okay, question for you. How many of you just ate lunch? You can raise your hand. Great. How many of you ate breakfast this morning? Okay. How many of you plan to eat dinner later? Perfect. This workshop is for you. Uh, you have found yourself in a workshop on nutrition. And it is applicable to everyone. And thanks for spending your free time with me because you could be doing so many other things. Um, I've entitled this workshop, Eating Well, Understanding Nutrition for the Glory of God. So I have two major goals in our time together today. The first is to give you a biblical framework of how to think about food and nutrition in your body. It's gonna be brief, but I wanna give us a foundation to work from. The second thing that I hope to do is to give you some real practicals that you can take home with you, that you can take to dinner tonight and hopefully help you to feel like you're more equipped to eat well, to eat healthy. Um, if you came in and you found an outline on your chair, that is going to be really helpful. If you do not have an outline, can you just raise your hand and I'll... I can just hold on to the Perfect. Tori will bring you one. That'll be a little bit of a roadmap for our time together. As she's doing that, um, I'm going to introduce myself because some of you might know me. Most of you I don't recognize. Uh, so I want to give you some context for who I am. My name is Faith Buck. I am a registered dietitian. I live in Virginia. Um, and basically what I do is talk to people about how to eat for their particular disease state. So I work in a hospital. Um, for example, I had a patient last week who had her gallbladder removed, and I talked to her about how do we eat now that you don't have a gallbladder, because that's an important part of your digestive system. Um, you'll see that beside my name, this is the smallest side, there are letters RDN. Anytime you're getting nutrition information, you want to get it from someone who's an RD or an RDN. It means that they've done all the schooling and the internships and the test taking to say they are an expert in the field. Um, and, and I say that because there's a lot of people uh, putting nutrition information out there that's, that's totally false. Um, so that's just a small aside. Anyway, so that's what I do now. I'm a dietitian, but I have not always been a dietitian. I used to work for Disciple Makers for five years. I worked at Muhlenberg and Cedarcrest College in the Lehigh Valley. Um, worked on campus there, loved it when I got married, and, and moved away is when I decided to make the transition back into being a dietitian. So I'm really honored to be here today and, and excited to talk to you all about this because it integrates two things that I really love most. Jesus, and nutrition. So thanks for coming along for the ride with me. Um, one other note before we get started. Uh, well, two other notes, I guess. One is that if your experience is anything like mine, then you've probably never heard someone talk about nutrition from a biblical perspective. It feels like a topic that is, is largely untouched. And this blows my mind because if Jesus has dominion over our whole lives, over our whole worlds, then what we eat and our bodies is very much a part of that. So that's kind of my goal today is to bring these two things together because God did not separate them. The other note is that I'm going to be speaking largely just from a Christian perspective. So I'm, I'm kind of making the assumption here that you're a, a Christian. If you are not yet a Christian, if you have not um, repented of your sin and, and asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, I am really excited that you are here. And just know that I'm going to be talking about this as if you're a Christian. And if you have more questions about being a Christian, I'd love to talk to you about that afterwards as well. Okay, with that said, let's go ahead and dive in. So a biblical framework. This is point one on your outline. Now, this is admittedly going to be only scratching the surface, 
of this topic, but, but we need to have a foundation for any practicals that I can give you about nutrition. And the first thing that we need to understand is that God created us body and soul. So first point on your outline, God created us body and soul. You're going to have to do some flipping here. You've got scriptures on the back. If you want to flip that over for me, look at Genesis 2-7, the first scripture. It says, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust, formed the man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. So a little context here. This is the creation account when God creates man. And, and this is how it's explained. There's at least two things happening here. Two I'm going to point out. One is God formed the man from the dust of the ground. <laughs> means he made his body. Uh, he's got a beating heart. He's got breathing lungs. He's got a functioning digestive system. He's, he's embodied. He has skin on. The second thing that happens is that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature, right? So he's formed, and then he gets this breath of life. It's fair to interpret this passage as explaining humans as being both body and soul. They, they are inextricably linked, both affecting the other. One is not elevated above the other. This is a theological concept. It's called human dichotomy. It started here in the scriptures, and it continues throughout the rest of the Bible. It's going to be really important for us to understand. And so that's first, that, that God created his body and soul, and that matters, right? And, and so the question we're going to answer today is, so what does that mean for how we actually treat our bodies? The second principle answers that question, and it is this, that God calls us to care for our bodies. That's point B. God calls us to care for our bodies. Most Christians have a robust understanding that caring for our souls matter, but caring for our body also matters. Flip your page back over again. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Maybe you've heard this verse before. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Okay, again, a little context. This is actually about sexual sin. That's the, that's the context of this passage, about not uh, joining your body to, to another sexually that doesn't know the Lord. I think the same principle applies to what we put in our bodies. You literally become what you eat, right? Our, our bodies matter. And what's so striking to me about this passage is, is that it says, we are not our own. Our bodies are given to us. It's like they're lent to us. And if you're a Christian, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's a really big deal, that, that God is dwelling in you. And so caring for that body really matters. Um, there are two errors that I see a lot of people make with their bodies, Christians and non-Christians alike, and I've named them. Error number one is the garbage can method. The garbage can method. And, and this is when you have too low a view of your body. So a garbage can method might look like this. Eating whatever, whenever, however we like. This person maybe has little to no regard for long-term consequences of what they put into their body or how they treat their body. And, and they're eating what they like, and, and there's something to be said for that, right? Like eating foods we like, that's a good thing. But they eat without any care of long-term consequences. 
eating donuts, deep fried foods, sodas, and candy all day, every day will eventually catch up with you. And, and the Proverbs talk about this in a way. You can flip back over. Sorry about the flipping game. Flip back over, Proverbs 25. It says, if you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. I'm going to read that again because Proverbs are like that. They're tricky. If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. There is such a thing as too much of a good thing. And if you've ever tried the garbage can method, you understand this. If you're this person, if you're falling into the garbage can error, I have something to say to you. The Lord loves you. He is delighted in you. He's not disappointed in you. And he's calling you to a better way of eating, a way that cares for your body. That's the first error, garbage can method. Stuff it all in there. Second error is the Instagram influencer method. Instagram influencer method. So this, while the last was too low a view of a body, this is too high a view of the body. Hold it really high up here. So this is the person taking the gym selfies with flex muscles and drinking their Celsius pre-workout. And this person probably follows a really strict diet and they think a lot about discipline. They might even tell other people how they should be eating. Uh, there, this can also be a less extreme thing. It might look like, oh, I can't go out and have ice cream tonight because I don't do dairy. Or that's actually pretty inflammatory. Or, oh, I've already hit my macros for the day. The garbage can method is real, but, but I think a lot of us women fall much more into this Instagram error. It, it might hit a little closer to home. The, this error, like I said, it elevates body higher than it needs to be, and it controls us. In many ways, nutrition and fitness for this person can become an idol. It, it can take the place of God and control how we're feeling, our ups and our downs, how well we ate that day. And our view of ourselves can largely be influenced by how well we perceived we ate at our last meal. The Bible has something to say about this error, too. If you flip over to Colossians 2, 23. Hopefully this will make sense. I pulled this out of a lot of context. But it says this. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is talking about making up all kinds of rules that help us to control ourselves. And Paul is saying that doesn't stop sin. That, that when we live with severity and when we think that's best, that's actually doing nothing to roll back the curse. It's not making us annually, any, morally, any more morally better. There we go. And I think there's this reality that many women, Christian women included, struggle with disordered eating and full-blown eating disorders. And, and I know it's really scary to call it that. But it's real, and the Lord cares, and the Lord can help. And if you find yourself thinking a bit too much about food or panicking if you go to a place that only has food you don't eat, like here, or skipping meals to make up for the day before, or going to the gym just a little bit extra today, 
you might want to pause and consider, has my concern with my body elevated to something higher than God has called me to? Has it actually taken the throne in my life such that I worship what I eat and my perception of my body more than I worship Jesus? And I encourage you that, that if this is you, to talk to someone about it. Talk to your campus staff worker, a friend who doesn't struggle with food. You can talk to me. That There really is a better way. And, and truthfully, being 100 with you here, this is me. This was me. Uh, this, is, this is the struggle that I have largely still. I was trapped in a cycle of being a slave to food, to body image, and to health. I had all these rules and regulations for my life related to food that I used to justify myself as worthy or not. It often led me to undereat or to overeat. I felt like a winner when I ate a little bit less, and I felt like a loser if I ate too much, whatever that means. And it was distressing. It, it caused me a lot of pain and difficulty. A few years ago, I confessed these things to the Lord and to friends, really not knowing what to do next. And I can tell you today that the Lord has done and is doing a wonderful work in my life in this area. In frequent confession and repentance, I really can say I'm no longer a slave to this idol anymore. To how much I eat or to how much I exercise, I ate Doritos for lunch. And let me just tell you that five years ago, I wouldn't have touched Doritos with a 10-foot bowl. And that freedom in Christ is a beautiful thing. And he offers it freely to his children. If you, like me, are the person falling into the Instagram error, I have something to say to you. And it's that the Lord loves you. He is delighted in you. He is not disappointed in you. And he is calling you to a better way of eating, a way that cares for your body. As Christians, we can seek to strike this balance where body and soul both matter. That's the goal. Where they're in their rightful place, where we don't neglect the body and, and commit the trash can error, and we don't elevate the body and commit the Instagram error, that, that we can strike this rightful balance where we can honor the Lord, we can nurture our relationship with Christ, and we can nurture our bodies. Okay, one last biblical principle, and then I'm going to teach you some practicals. This is point C on your outline. This is a different direction, but food is a good gift from God. That's a principle we have to lay it out there. Food is a good gift from God. You have probably heard that food is fuel. Does that sound familiar? Food is fuel? It is. Uh, but if you're a Christian, we have a bigger view of food than that. It's not just fuel. It's one of its, its means, but it's also a gift. It's delicious, right? God could have made us people who didn't need food at all, first of all. Or he could have made all food taste like plain oatmeal, which tastes like nothing, and he didn't. <laughs> he gave us things like peanut butter and pizza and mangoes and chips. Those things are so delicious. That's so good. And, and because of that, it brings us joy. There's actually a chemical that's released in your brain when you eat sweet things that makes you happy. God did that. He designed your body. And, and part of the gift of food is celebration, too, right? We, we fellowship with one another. We, we hang out with people. We connect over food. And we actually see this all throughout the scriptures. You don't have to go far. And I, I included one example for you. It's on the back. 
of your sheet again, uh, Revelation 20, or no, Revelation 19. This is the end of time when Jesus returns, brings his people home. It says he's bringing in his bride. And what does he bring them to? You can say it. A feast. <laughs> yeah, he feasts with them, a wedding supper of the lamb. If you've ever been to a wedding, you know what this feasting and, and this excitement is like. That's how God celebrates with his people. Food is not just fuel. It is fuel, but it's also a good gift. Okay, those are our three things we have to keep in mind while we talk here. God created us body and soul. He calls us to care for our bodies, and food is a good gift from him. So I'm going to kind of switch hats to super uber practical. I was a middle school teacher last year. You ready for some interaction? Okay, great. All right, so these are going to be nutrition basics. So I'm going to need you to respond to me here. Uh, when you think of healthy eating, what do you think of? Vegetables, fruit, what else? Protein. Wow, okay, just food groups. Anything else that you guys think of? So, okay, celery. All right, okay. So we've got, the, we've got the vegetables down. Good. All right, so today we're going to look at four nutrition basics, and they are basic, but they're going to help you get started or keep you going in a way that hopefully cares for your body. And they are, on your outline here, build a healthy plate, choose more fruits and vegetables, eat real food, and enjoy favorite foods. So the first one, building a healthy plate or a balanced plate. Building a balanced plate. How many of you make your own meals? Yeah, wow, okay. How many of you get meals on campus? Okay. And how many of you, someone else makes your meals, like your parents or something? Okay, yeah. How do you decide what to eat? Anybody? No matter what category you're in. Yeah, Jackie. Oh, yeah, totally. If I need to go to Bible City in 10 minutes, I'm not going to be making a risotto, which is one of my favorite foods. Does anybody know what risotto is? Okay, great. <laughs> yes. Recipes. Okay, yeah, whatever recipes I have. Yep. What else influences how you decide what to eat? Whatever I like, realize it. Yeah, right. What do I want to eat? Yep, totally. Okay, so I'm going to teach you a method that can fit into all of those things, right? Can be quick, can fit into what you want, and it will help you get balance and all of that. So some of you have seen the MyPlate. Anybody familiar with that? It's like the USDA gov thing. This is kind of a spin-off of that, um, a simpler version. It's on your handout. Color at the top for fruits and vegetables. Carbs on one side and protein on the other. And this circle, can you guys see this over here? How about now? Okay. This circle is meant to represent a plate. So you can think about it as half of my plate should be fruit and vegetables, a quarter of it should be carbohydrates, and a quarter of it should be protein. I'm gonna give you more details than that because that's a lot of words that don't mean a lot in, in real life. So let's start with carbohydrates. What are some carbohydrates? Can somebody just name some for me? Pasta. Wow, that was like in unison. Rice. What else? Bread. What else? I would count a potato as a carb, actually, and we can come back to that, but yes. 
potato. What was the other one? Somebody just said over here. Crackers. I would not count banana as a carb, but technically, yes, they are. For the purpose of this exercise, I'm not going to count them as that. Corn, I will count corn here. Yep. Anybody else? I think we hit the major players. I mean, if anyone likes quinoa or barley, I don't know, anything like that. Okay, I just need to say, Carbs are getting a real bad rap in the world right now. Why? <laughs> They're so good. Carbs are not bad for you. They're actually really good for you. Anybody know what carbs do in the body? Yeah, Lydia. Yeah, energy. Woohoo. What else? Yes. Close enough. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say no for now. Okay. That's sort of true. But there's way too much science for me to go into to answer that question. <laughs> Any other things people know that carbs do? Sort of. Yeah, they fill you up. Um, there is one organ in the body that feeds exclusively on carbs. Anybody know what it is? The brain. Yeah, it is quite literally brain food. Okay, I want any of you to think about if you've ever gone on a low-carb diet, you don't need to out yourself. If you've ever been on a low-carb diet, anybody ever been a little cranky while on that low-carb diet? Brain food. <laughs> if you're not eating carbohydrates, your body has to work so hard to break down fats and proteins to feed your brain. And so often people get headaches, they get really cranky because our body needs carbs. Uh, there's one other thing that carbohydrates do in the body, and is they, they store energy. And this is a good thing. So if you were to walk to my cabin tonight and run into a bear and need to run away really fast, you will be very happy that you have some stored energy in your muscles. <laughs> because your body needs that to run away. So it goes into our body, it gets broken down, and then a lot of it's stored in our liver, and a lot of it's stored in our muscles. And so when you're exercising or something like that, you're gonna burn through all of that first. That's a really good thing. So let's give, let's give carbs a better reputation, okay, ladies? We don't need to hate on them. Also, if you're an athlete, carbs are more important for you than protein. So there's a fun fact for your day. And we can talk about that later if you would like to. Okay, that's carbohydrates. Let me look at my notes because I just went rogue. Okay, what about protein? <laughs> Name some protein sources. Cows? <laughs> Cow. Chicken. Yeah. What is it? Nuts. Yep, we can count nuts. Beans. Beans. Beans can kind of go in both categories, but we'll count them here. Milk. Seeds. Seeds are actually a fat. Avocado is also actually a fat. Fish. Eggs. Cheese. Anything else? Tofu. Man, you guys are good. I can't think of anything else. Can anyone else? What? Pork, pig. 
<laughs> lamb, goat, all the animals, okay? <laughs> Animal. <laughs> Duck. <laughs> this could go on for a while. Okay, a small, this has nothing to do with nutrition. You know what, I'm not gonna do that. Okay. So what does protein do in the body? Anybody know? Uh, helps your cells function, right? Yeah, cell function. Yes, that's why I held off your muscle. It repairs muscles. So when you go to the gym, um, I can't write and talk at the same time. Growth, repair. When you go to the gym and you're lifting, imagine you're doing a bicep curl. You're just shredding your muscle. That's what's happening. And then your body's got to work to rebuild it. That's how they get your muscles get bigger, as they rebuild bigger and better. And, and you need protein to help um, repair that. There's one other big thing that protein does. Maybe you guys have seen this. It's kind of a popular function of protein. Anybody have any ideas? It promotes satiety. So satiety means that you're going to eat it and not be hungry five minutes later. Um, so carbohydrates, we kind of burn through these really quickly. If you eat a bowl of pasta, you'll probably, I don't know, in five, not five or ten minutes, but shortly you're going to feel like, Nah, I don't feel that anymore. I just, I burned through it really quickly. Protein takes a lot longer to break down. And so if you're looking for something to help keep you full, protein's going to really help. So if anyone's ever been a vegetarian and not been very intentional about eating protein, you might feel kind of hungry all the time. That's partially why. Okay, and then color. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that we can all name some fruits and vegetables. Is that a good assumption? <laughs> okay, great. Anybody know the value of fruits and vegetables in our diet? Bella. Yeah, minerals. Can you tell us what those do? Bonus points. Um, they help to, they basically help the entire body. Like iron, zinc, um, iron helps blood flow. Yep. And um, yeah, brain function and organ function. Definitely. Gold star for Bella. Good job. Um, but yeah, so these don't give us energy, but they enable our body to produce energy. If we don't have vitamins and minerals, our body can't do the cycles it needs to to break stuff down. Then our brain is really unhappy. Um, it helps promote red blood cell growth, all sorts of good things. So these are really important. Um, they also contribute to things like hair. So I have this very large, thick hair, and we can think vitamins and minerals for that. If it were brittle and kind of breaking off, that would probably be a, a deficiency of some sort. Any other things you guys know about fruits and vegetables? Yes. Antioxidants. Antioxidants, yeah. Do you know what those do? Um, like help yeah, so there are these things in our body called free radicals, and they do damage. And they act, free radicals actually can lead to cancer. That's one of their, their things. But free radicals get bound to by antioxidants. It's like they envelope them, and then your body gets rid of them, gets rid of toxins. It's kind of the original detox fruits and vegetables. Two other things, they have fiber. So fiber also helps keep us full. And I like to explain fiber as a workout for your gut. So just like you need to work out your body and your heart to stay in good health, you need to work out your gut. Um, and fiber helps us do that. Uh, one other thing about fruits and vegetables is they have a high water content. And we'll talk about that more in a second. So before we move on to the next point, I am giving you a little activity. So if you are on 
the first two rows, I want you to get together with one or two other people and come up with a breakfast that you could eat that includes this plate proportion, okay? So a breakfast you could eat from this plate. The second two rows, you guys are gonna do lunch and couch people, you're gonna do a dinner, okay? I'm gonna give you like one to two minutes to come up with a breakfast, a lunch, or a dinner that fits this plate. Go. All right, let's do it. Somebody who has breakfast, tell me what you're eating. Yes. We are having an egg and spinach on a piece of toast with a banana. Okay, egg, which is protein, with, there's spinach in the egg? Yeah. Okay, scrambled with spinach, that's color. I forget the rest. On a piece of toast. On a piece of toast, that's carbohydrates. With banana. With banana, more color. Good job, ladies. <laughs> Nicely done. Snaps for Jackie and Maggie. Okay, what about lunch, people? What do you got? Yes, Rebecca. We have salmon with rice and broccoli. Amazing. That fits perfectly. Uh, dinner, people. Yes. We have a six-ounce steak with broccoli, baked <laughs> potato with cheese, and strawberries for dessert. Love it. Oh, wow. Man, you guys got double color and double protein. Nicely done. Good job. Okay, so you can also do this with um, combination foods too. So if I wanted to have a smoothie for breakfast, I could have yogurt and milk plus, well, milk also fits here. This is breaking down. Yeah, that could work. Okay, so if I wanted a smoothie for breakfast, um, yogurt and milk are technically both carbs and protein. Okay, so you're just going to have to trust me on that. They are both. They count for both. So they're going to go there, and then we'll add fruit, and I have color. Now I have a smoothie. Um, you could also add peanut butter for protein and things like that, or granola on top, all that good stuff. So you can do this with combo foods too. But I actually think about this pretty much every time I eat a meal, to think about, do I have all of these food categories? And it might feel really nerdy and really dumb, but it actually helps your body to feel well and to make sure that you're getting everything that you need. This is not meant to be rigid or you have to eat this and I'm gonna come look at your plate at dinner and make sure you do with that. That's not what this is. It's just a guideline um, to help you know what to choose. Okay, next point, choose more fruits and veggies. This is gonna be quick and might feel redundant, but the reason I bring it up is two reasons. It's one of the most common things I tell people and it's a really easy change to make. So actually recently hus my husband decided oh, I need to shed a few pounds and get in better shape. And we talked for a while and the thing we decided on is that he would eat more fruits and vegetables. And so every day he packs his lunch and I say, do you have a fruit or vegetable? And he usually says no. And then he gets an apple. And it's worked. It really has been very helpful. Um, and, and this might feel counterintuitive because we added something to his diet. But fruits and vegetables are so useful in in keeping us full both because they have a lot of water content, which has no calories, and they have a lot of fiber, which just goes in and goes out. So keeps you full, keeps your gut working well, um, gets you all those micronutrients. So I would encourage you to make a habit of asking yourself at every meal, do I have a fruit or vegetable here? And if you don't, go get one. You don't have to put something back, just add it on top. Um, question, does anyone not like fruits and vegetables? Yeah, that's brilliant. That was going to be my suggestion was if you don't like fruits and vegetables, hide them. 
<laughs> in your food. So uh, you can always do a dip. You can do a nut butter with fruit or like a yogurt dip or something or a ranch dip with um, veggies. You can put them in smoothies. You can put them in casseroles, soups. There's lots of creative ways to fit in more fruits and vegetables. Okay, moving on. Uh, eat real food. We have another activity. So I'm going to give you a paper that has ice cream on it because ice cream is my favorite food. And as soon as you get your paper, work with your row, and I want you guys to decide which is the healthiest ice cream and why. Okay? I'm gonna give you two minutes. All right, five, four, three, two, one, ten. Okay, can I have this? Yeah. All right, raise your hand if you think Halo Top is the healthiest. Raise it high, raise it proud. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. OK? Raise your hand if you think Ben and Jerry's is the healthiest. Oh, sad. <laughs> I think these guys went to Penn State. That should get some sympathy. Um, Turkey Hill. OK, one, two, three. Funny fun. And Briars. Salt. Three, four. Okay. All right. Halo Top, people. Why do you think this is the healthiest? Anybody? You can just shout it out. Less calories. Less calories. What's that? Natural ingredients. Okay. Low sugar. Any others? Okay. Um, we can skip Ben and Jerry's. Nobody thinks they're winning. I didn't pick them either. Turkey Hill, why do you think this is the healthiest? It's mostly over here. Yeah, you can just shout it out. It's the least amount of ingredients and then also like holistic. Okay, least ingredients. What do you mean by holistic? Like there's no process. Like, yeah, okay. In, in other things you see like corn syrup and Yeah, okay, so more like normal ingredients, if you will. Yep, any other reasons, Turkey Hill people? Yeah. Um, and it's all natural ingredients, so it's just straight milk, something clean besides sugar, mm -hmm. and vanilla, and vanilla extract. Yep, so lots of natural, normal ingredients. Good. Any other reasons, Turkey Hill people? Everybody's kind of unanimous? Yeah. It kind of goes along with what you were saying. There's no, like, immediate ingredients where, like, I read the MSA, like, what it is. Okay, yeah. Like, natural flavors definitely go better. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right, Briars people. Why'd you pick Briars? I think it was the four of you. <laughs> I feel like Soleil added sugars and like it's at least natural sugar versus like Halo Top artificial more sugar. Okay. Um, so does it have, I don't remember, does it have less added sugar? Yeah, okay. Added sugar, so that's basically okay, lowest added sugar. Okay. Anybody want to change their opinion? <laughs> okay. Uh, I picked all natural, Turkey Hill. Here's why. All the things you just said. <laughs> um, I think things like Halo Top get the reputation in our culture of being healthy. And they might hit the nutritionals that we're looking for. Like if you look at Halo Top, a half a cup of that thing has six grams of protein. That's insane. Uh, Turkey Hill, for comparison, has four 
but you have a bigger serving size. So it's not even a one for one. And so protein is really popular right now. Sugar, added sugar is really unpopular right now. Halo Top knows that, and they created a product that has more protein, less added sugar. What I don't love about Halo Top is that there are things in it called erythritol and milk protein concentrate and vegetable glycerin and carob gum and guar gum. Anybody know what those things are? Guar gum is an emulsifier. Yes, it is. Weird ingredients, right? Like I'm not cooking with guar gum at my house. So if you are really into Halo Top and you're like, I just want, like, I love it, then great, have a field day. But, but the point of this exercise was, was to make a point that the thing that has the lowest added sugar or the lowest calories or the best serving size, like I can eat more, it's not necessarily the best thing for you. Um, my recommendation would be when you look at an ingredient label, look for things that your great-great-grandmother would recognize on the label. I think my great-great-grandmother knows what milk, cream, sugar, vanilla, and vanilla bean are. Um, this is not to say that there is no place for packaged foods. Like Jackie said at the beginning, sometimes we're in a hurry and we need to eat packaged foods. That's great. What I am saying is that just take a look at ingredient labels. I think that's going to help you in the store. The more natural, if you will, the better. One other interesting thing, and, and I wasn't even going to mention this, but I went to the store yesterday and I was comparing two products. One was the, um, the Scooby-Doo uh, graham cracker bone-shaped things. Anybody ever have those? That was the one box. And the other box was um, Kodiak Cakes graham cracker something or other. I had never seen them before. But they were, they're kind of equivalent products. The Kodiak Cake one was twice the price. And the Scooby-Doo one had almost the exact same nutritionals and had a better ingredient label than the Kodiak cake one. <laughs> so I was kind of floored by that. I was like, I want to buy the Kodiak cake one. It looks better. But the Scooby-Doo one is cheaper and has the same ingredients. <laughs> so I got the Scooby-Doo one. And um, j just to say, like, it's not always like the one that says natural is what you're going to buy, but, but actually reading the ingredient label. Does that make sense? Okay, last thing, and then I'll take any questions or you guys can scoot because I'm running low on time. Um, last point is, is enjoy favorite foods. And this is really important. Regardless of what your food or nutrition goals are, you need to include your favorite foods. Um, for example, I am an ice cream junkie. That is why we just did the exercise that we did. And it is easily my favorite food. And, and if I wanted to change my eating habits, me cutting out ice cream or stopping to eat dessert would be a terrible idea because I love it deeply. And it's good. I can have that. I don't need to cut out ice cream to be healthy. And more importantly, restriction of something often leads to binging that thing and unhealthy habits long term. And so unless you're legitimately allergic, like you have celiac disease or you're going to go into anaphylaxis and your doctor told you not to eat something, it, you don't need to cut things out of your diet. You just don't. And, and are there circumstances where you need to, like you might want to do that? Sure. But unless you need to do it, if your favorite foods fall into that category, you should eat them. Um, certainly follow all these other principles. And, and I'm not saying that if you love Doritos, you should eat them for three meals a day and snacks, right? Like eat them all day, every day. But I am saying that you should have them sometimes. That, that, that's actually a really good thing. And one word on diets, 
and I will take questions then, is that almost every diet on the market is based on the concept of restriction. Take things out, which often includes our favorite foods. So the keto diet says, take out carbs. By the way, the keto diet was created for kids with epilepsy to help mitigate their symptoms, not as a weight loss technique. Paleo says basically cut out everything that's processed at all, and then you'll be healthier. Gluten-free diets for people without celiac disease says cut out all gluten-free or gluten foods, and you'll be healthier. Beachbody says fit all of your food in these tiny little cute containers and restrict everything that doesn't fit in those containers. And Noom, if you've heard of this, labels foods red, yellow, and green. And you know what you do with the red foods? You don't eat them. Restriction. And I could go on, right? And, and some of you might be following these diets, and, and I don't want to be insensitive. I get it. And we try things, and, and people have success, and, and I get it. I don't, I don't mean to be throwing shade at you, okay? But I do want to say both a word of encouragement and caution. The encouragement is this, is that you do not have to follow a restrictive diet. You don't need to do that to meet your health goals. You don't. You can eat the things that you love and you can seek to strike a balance. That is gonna be better for your health long-term. And I'd caution you that the research shows that people who go on these diets actually end up weighing more in the end than they did when they started the first diet. They may lose it, and then they gain it back in a little more, and then they lose it again, and they gain it back in a little bit more. People end up net positive at the end of this. The research is unanimous in that. Um, I will also say that the research does not account for the fact that we are, if we are Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we really can make lasting change. I think that's a real factor here in, in weight loss, if that would be your goal. But... If you've ever found yourself spinning your wheels, trying diet after diet, and just ending up back at the weight that you started at, this might be why. One other note about diets is that the number one risk factor for eating disorders is dieting. So enter with caution. Um, all the principles I've given you today are not meant to restrict, but to set free. And to say, sisters, we can relax. Our nutrition matters, it definitely matters, but we have so much freedom freedom in Christ, and freedom in science. The further I get into my career, the more convinced I am that I can have more freedom in what I eat. So thanks for spending your time with me. I think I've officially run over by two minutes. Um, if you want to scoot, go for it. If anybody has any questions, I'm, I'm happy to take those as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can go for questions. Mm. No, so, um, actually, would this be easier? Would you guys prefer to take questions as a group or individually in the front? Anybody have a preference? Group. Okay, so the question was, and if you need to leave, just go for it. I, I'm not going to be offended. Um, if you, can you ask your question again? Is it true that you're supposed to have a gram of protein for every pound that you weigh? So one gram of protein for every pound that you weigh. Short answer, no. Um, the recommendation for most active adults is actually 0 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram. And a kilogram is 2.2 pounds. So if you weigh, I can't do this math in my head, but if you weigh 150 pounds, can anybody divide that by 2.2 in your head? <laughs> it's like 70. Okay, it's like 70. 
So that would mean even if you were doing one, you'd eat like 70 grams of protein a day. But yeah. What's your opinion on probiotics? Uh, in what context? Um, just like taking them daily. Like, do you recommend that? Or just like everybody in general, not somebody with like. Yeah, good question. That's a really good question. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion on probiotics. They definitely won't hurt you, and they will probably help you. Do I think if you don't take probiotics, you need to? No. Uh, if you are taking them and they make you feel better and you're less sick, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are, there's a few things in nutrition like that that it's like, if you don't, it's fine. But if you do, like, great. That's going to add a lot of a benefit. Omega... Um, Threes are actually like that too. Fish oil supplements. Pretty much can't go wrong taking fish oil supplements. Do I take them? No. They're expensive. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit more about like with uh, like eating real food? Like I get that like as a general principle, something yep. natural is going to be better than something processed just because you know, fruits and vegetables are natural. <laughs> totally. Um, but like in terms of, so like my background is in biochemistry and like we isolated like um, orange essential oils from like completely other like lab grown molecules and so yep. like just thinking about like molecularly in terms of what's happening in your body like what like what makes that better yeah that's a good question I don't know if I can give you a good answer to that question uh, my short answer is that something like so my principle partially comes from let's take oatmeal as an example if this doesn't scratch the itch let me know you can buy a bunch of different kinds of oatmeal. You can buy like steel cut oats, old fashioned oatmeal, quick oats, um, the little packets that have like the flavorings and stuff. Um, those are varying degrees of being processed. Generally, I would recommend eating the ones that are not the little packets, which comes more from oats are, are a more natural thing. They're gonna be easily broken down in our body and they don't have a ton of added sugars, added flavorings. Um, part of it is that in our body, we don't completely know what all those things do, whereas it's going to be a little more predictable what's happening with, I don't know, milk, for example. Like, we can parse out milk into its different molecular structure. Sure, we could parse out, like, orange extract or whatever, um, but there's less... When, it's, when it is a man-made chemical, the effects are less known. That's more the point. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a recommendation on educational resources for your students like, to delve deeper into nutrition? Specifically hmm. maybe for like, people who are athletes or who want to be bodybuilding or muscle builders? That's a good question. Uh, probably the first thing I would recommend for athletes is to find dietitians who are working with college athletes and follow them on Instagram. It's a weird recommendation, <laughs> but they're out there. And um, I think bodybuilding, do you mean like the, what do you mean by bodybuilding? Like, like muscle building. Not oh, necessarily like okay. intense bodybuilding. Okay, just like so you're not talking about like the bikini competition. No, 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 okay. of course not, no. They also <laughs> call that bodybuilding. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I could talk to you about that, or you could follow those people on Instagram. I don't know of any good books off the top of my head. I only know a textbook, and most people don't want to read a textbook. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's called Sports Nutrition. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
educational tips you can give. I'm thinking about from a justice perspective, prosecutorial living in food deserts and mm-hmm. things like that, or how to find um, more unprocessed food. It's a great question. And I would say, uh, well, one, find the resources that they have. So there's a lot of really good resources out there in nutrition right now. Um, people doing free farmer's market. So WIC, if anybody has ever heard of WIC. Yeah, girl. <laughs> Alley-oop. Um, WIC does a lot with uh, helping women and children with access to good, healthy foods, milks, and things like that. And they often do free farmer's markets. Um Food banks and food pantries and stuff like that often are also stocked with fresh produce and milk. And, like, you would be shocked at how much of that stuff gets thrown away. Um, and so there, there are resources. Living in a food desert, I think, too, you, you just do the best you can. So this in some way – the plate's not there. The plate is an ideal and, and something to shoot for. Um, but to be considered in the context of, of the rest of your life, right? Like, um, this is a different – less extreme example, but even like the fish oil thing, like, is that healthy? Totally. Do I want to spend my resources that way? No. And so my encouragement would be like, do the best you can with what you have um, and take advantage of resources. Does that make sense? Um, so like, why are like carbs more important than protein? Good question. Yeah. So um, after you're done working out, you actually need a two to one ratio of carbs to protein um, because you have burned so much energy during your workout that uh, you remember the, sh- the storage I was talking about in your muscles and your liver, all of that's depleted. And the way that that gets replenished is through carbohydrates only. So you need the, the protein to repair your muscles, but you need the carbohydrates to refill your muscle stores. And actually, if you eat carbohydrates after working out, um, you will be less sore because that glycogen, is what it's called, has been refilled. What's the, sorry, what do the carbs restore again? Uh, your energy stores. Okay. Yep, short-term energy. Yeah. So instead of like a protein bar, what would be like a quick carbohydrate snack you could grab? Like Good question. After? Chocolate milk is a great option. Okay. Uh, it's got sugar and milk. <laughs> or uh, have a banana with your protein bar. You're looking for two to one. So if you have something with 20 grams of protein, look for 40 grams of carbohydrates. How many carbohydrates Not that many. <laughs> but protein bars usually have some carbohydrates. <laughs> That you get close with that gumbo. Yeah. Um, so, like, what are, like, some good supplements for women to take, like, additional vitamins or, like, supplements? Vitamin supplements or protein supplements? Both. I have a resource that has a list of protein supplements I can send you. Okay. Um, one that I like is called Bipro. It's pretty expensive, though. Um, there's another one called Garden of Life Way. I like. I like it less than I like Bipro, but it's also good. Um, I don't have good supplement recommendation, vitamin recommendations. I'd have to get back to you on that. But if you had one that you were like, what do you think about this? I could give you an opinion. Okay. Any other questions? Yeah. Um, this is probably just, just a very strange question. What is your perspective on plant protein versus animal protein? I recently watched um, a professional's opinion 
on the difference between plant protein and um, animal protein and how they are not equal because mm-hmm. animal protein has more amino acids that are necessary for mm-hmm. growth than plant protein. Correct. Yeah, so there are nine essential amino acids um, that we need in our body that our body doesn't make. Any protein source that you get from an animal is going to have all nine essential amino acids. So it's complete protein, is what they call it. Um, <clears throat> vegetable, what's it? Vegetable protein? Plant source. Plant protein <laughs> is not going to be a complete protein. Um, but there's also some interesting emerging research, actually. This is just a tangent about plant-based diets for things like cancer and ADHD. I don't have any information on that. So if you want more thoughts on that, you just let me know and I'll look it up. But um, I know a dietitian who's, who's on that horse. I tend to choose plant proteins for recovery from working out because, or not plant, sorry, animal, because they're more complete. Yeah. I've heard about like collagen as water. Do you understand that? I mean, like, Can you ask a more specific question? Yeah, so like people try to, like, I've heard people like explain like water weight and how it like garbage goes forward with water. And so because you eat more collagen, you, you'll, you'll have more water in your system. Is that true? Or, huh. I know the concept that you're talking about. It's usually in a conversation about weight loss, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing I have to say on that, I don't have a good explanation scientifically yet. I need to think about it. My only answer to that so far is that water weight does not equal weight gained, like fat gained. If you weigh yourself four times in one day, you'll probably get four different numbers. (laughs) Just as how it is. Because... If you eat a meal, it's sitting in your stomach. You drink water, it's sitting in your stomach. I was working with college athletes earlier this year, and I was at, like, a snack station, and this football player came to me, this huge, like, 350-pound linebacker. He was like, I lost weight. Coach told me I need to put it back on immediately. I was like, okay. And so I looked at all the things I had in my room and looked at which would lay the heaviest in his stomach. And I gave him that food, which was a cliff bar, and told him to drink a bunch of water. Guess what? He made weight. Did he gain five pounds in an hour? No. <laughs> like, it's just water. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. This is like really random. It's okay. Fine. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> more specific question. So, like, what, like, is there a best milk? Is that what you're asking me? Like, yeah, but like for like different age ranges too. Like, oh yeah, okay, that's a good question. So, up to the age of two, um, you should never give a baby not whole milk because they need the fat for brain development. That's right, right. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, it's till age two. Yeah, I, didn't I just was having a moment where I was like, is it after age two or before age two? Oh, no, definitely before. Okay, so before age two, you should never give a child anything less than whole milk. Um, the recommendation tends to be to use lower fat milks. I personally don't think it tends to matter that much. Um, fat produces satiety, and so you can probably drink less milk and feel more satisfied if you drink 2%. Yes, Heather? Oh, yeah. Like, how much, I mean, because peanut butter is a fat. Mm-hmm. Like, lots of, I mean, everything is, is yep. got extra parts in it. But fat is really good for us. We need fat. Yep. So That's I a good question. About the plate. 
Yeah, I didn't include it on the plate because it tends to just fill itself in. Like often people tend to include avocados as color and, and I feel fine with that. Or different meats have fat in them, um, milk, eggs, cheese, they all have fat. And so I, I don't necessarily talk about fat a ton because we don't have to go super out of our way to get it. Um, but I also would really encourage you not to avoid it. Um, there, there was a movement, you guys are probably too young for this, but when I was a teenager, it was the fat-free movement, and that's really unnecessary. You don't need to eat fat-free everything. It tastes weird, and it's not necessarily healthier. <laughs> so um, as you think about the plate, like just let the fat come in. A lot of that can be left up to preference. Um, if you're trying to gain weight, drink whole milk. If you want to cut some pounds, maybe switch down to 2% or 1% or skim. Yeah. What kind of bloating? Yeah. You're not going to like this answer. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> not eat. Um, don't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, th this is really common. I feel like as women, I, I don't know, I feel like we, we wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you're like, yes, my stomach is flat. Or like, my stomach is further in, or whatever. And then you eat a meal, and you're like, ugh, I'm bloated. It's terrible. Maybe this is just me. I don't know. Um, but I think just the, the more my encouragement would be to normalize that that's just how our bodies work. Like, you put in food, and it gets bigger than it was when there was no food in there because now it's full, and it's working, and that's actually a really good thing. Yes, yeah, um, yes. Largely people with PCOS, um, you can modify their diet some, but the main thing for PCOS actually is just having a well-rounded healthy diet, and this fits that. That's a good question. Yeah, composition. Um, so the difference between cow's milk and, an, and a plant milk is composition. So cow's milk is going to have more protein, carbohydrates. Plant milk doesn't have as much. So for like nut milks and stuff, is it fat necessarily? Like what works on your diet for having more like almond milk? No. Correct. Yeah. I would encourage you, if you're doing the nut milks, to do the unsweetened ones because the sweetened ones have a ton of added sugar. Yeah. And while ice cream is a thing that, I, you know, you are expecting added sugar in, milk is not necessarily a thing you're expecting added sugar in. Gotcha. So, yeah. Cool. Right. Yes. It's a great question. <laughs> what do you mean by a bad day? As in, like, you're having a hard time eating that. Yeah, yeah. Confession and repentance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and today. Yeah, that, 
and, and I think that's what I mean even in confession and repentance is realizing my story is broken and I'm not whole yet. Um, asking the Lord for forgiveness for that and, and realizing that he loves you just where you're at. I think when we live in that grace and freedom is when real change happens to you. Maybe practically telling someone, yeah, just having a hard day. Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, if, if people's eating disorders get bad enough, um, they need to, to be monitored closely. Um, eating disorders can be deadly. Um, and so the reason why I mentioned it so much is because it is really significant. Um, so it's one thing. And they are, like, they are real things that happen in your body, like electrolyte imbalances that can kill you. Um, and so they, they need medical monitoring. So knowing, too, like as a, as a friend's eating disorder progresses, that you have an eye on it and that you're helping them get resources. A psychiatric counselor and a dietitian are both going to be really useful. And your school will have your best Yep. Yep. Yeah, everything's free in college. Use those. Um, there was another part of your question. I forget it. Can you remind me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think just <clears throat> encouraging them to make small steps of changes. Like, as they're being counseled, like, whatever they're dietitian or their their psychiatrist is, is helping them to think through and to process through encouraging those things so dietitians will often be trained specifically in eating disorders um, to help men and women take a next step right like okay yesterday you only ate five pretzels like what if you did that two times tomorrow like just helping them and encouraging them to do the next thing um, and and ultimately like I think eating disorders come from a number of roots, but they're often looking to fill a void. And what a beautiful gospel opportunity. Like, this is never going to fill your void, but Jesus can, and, and he will. Any other thoughts? Yeah, I think, like, it tracks. Like, not that this isn't practical, but yeah. like, one thing that really encouraged me to make my friends trying to help me was, like, some days, like, I couldn't, like, think about eating, so they would, like, say, hey, do you want to go grab a smoothie? Mm. And that would help, because it, I wouldn't be eating or, like, associating, like, drinking with eating, and it'll be different with your friend, but just, like, mm. trying to, to find, like, little ways to, like, include them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a really good word. All right, I think I'm going to officially cut it here, but I'll just linger here if anyone has more questions. Thanks, guys, for coming. <laughs>